After 25 years' experience within the volunteer sector, Nusrat Ahmed joined Manchester Museum in 2019 and is now the lead curator for the South Asia Gallery, the first permanent gallery in the UK to celebrate the experiences and contribution of the South Asian diaspora. A groundbreaking project spanning over five years, uniquely co-created with a collective group of community members, the gallery has taken an anthology person-centred approach for the bringing together of objects and stories which are presented through a South Asian lens. As a first-generation British-born South Asian, Nusrat has a close attachment to her heritage and is extremely passionate about her role, its impact for the South Asia Gallery, their communities and all who come to visit. So welcome Nusrat, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm here with my co-hosts Hayley Jane and Sabi. And we're just going to kick off by asking a few questions. I'm yep. going to pass over to Haley Jane. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Nazra. If we could um, just get to know you a little bit first, could you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, well, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, I grew up in Manchester, um, although I was a six-month baby when my parents moved from Dewsbury, which was where I was born. I do class myself as a born and bred Mancunian. Um, and I grew up actually um, in Ardwick, which is not far from the museum. It's in walking distance. So I've literally come full circle, I think, and now actually working in the area that I grew up in. And what was your journey to working at Manchester Museum? And how how did you become a curator? Yeah, it's um it's it's a bit of a word journey actually. It's 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 really organic. Um it's nothing I ever considered as not being a museum goer. Um I was working as a development officer in the community and I was basically doing um projects which were around South Asian heritage, uh, in particular intergenerational projects. And they were about recapturing um and retaining uh, South Asian heritage practices and and it was all around the fact that they're at risk of being lost, um, being third then third generation um, people being born in the UK. Um, I, th I think at that time, it became a really great fit with the Manchester Museum. It's around 2016, and they were looking at laying the foundations for their new capital build project, which is Hello Future and the South Asia Gallery being a, a key component to that they were reaching out to South Asian communities so basically they got in touch with myself working in my little community centre um, and that's how my journey started and then go a bit fast forward in 2018 um, we were invited as community members to the launch of the South Asia Gallery and um, we were basically asked um, if we wanted to be part of co-curating the gallery and for me that was a real unique opportunity to be part of something that would really help shape um, something as really important as the South Asia Gallery. So I came on board as a South Asia Gallery collective member and then I became a community producer in 2019 and then in 2020 I was asked to lead on the gallery. That's incredible and to go back to sort of basics can you mm -hmm. tell us what actually the role of a museum curator is? Um, so over the last five years since I've been working in the museum, I've often been told that the word curator is a Latin term for um, to care for. Um, and in museum settings, that's traditionally to care for objects. 
However, I found um, over time and in today's world, the curator means much more than that. It means caring for people and caring for their stories and their histories um, and the future. Um, and I think that the, the curator now holds relationships with people and communities um, and extends really, it really does extend beyond the artifacts. And I think that's, that was, for me, that's been key because my my expertise isn't as a traditional curator. It's about managing relationships and um, building on um, you know, how we interact with people. I wanted to ask, why is the South Asia Gallery so important for Manchester? Um, so there's a large community of people of South Asian heritage in Greater Manchester. It's a, a multicultural city, and it's in and, and it's really important that the museum reflects the work that this the cities that they serve. Um, and representing South Asia diaspora and preserving South Asia history in museums is, has been really long overdue. And um, as I said, born and bred in Mancunian, there hasn't been anything like the South Asian Gallery, and in particular for me. Um, connecting and going to museums was virtually nil because I did not see myself represented in the museum spaces. Um, and I think it's hugely important that we have this South Asia Gallery now because it's an opportunity of being represented in a space. And I think once, well, obviously, if you're represented and you can see yourself in the stories or the objects that are on display, it really is a way of then you feeling that you belong um, in a space. Um, and I think the South Asia Gallery um, offers a much needed space for South Asian people to express themselves and connect to their heritage. And in particular, for younger people, find out about their roots. Yeah and I really like what you said about having that sense of belonging and being able to see yourself in that art. I think that's incredibly important. Um, and how did you approach curating this gallery? So the South Asia Gallery it has been co-curated over a five-year period and it's not traditional way of working for museums because we have connected to um, the community to co-curate this. Um, and, and some of it was um, done remotely due to the pandemic. And what we've done is we've placed people at the centre of this gallery. And this is a collective group of 30 people um, from different um, disciplines and backgrounds uh, made up of uh, educators, artists, historians, journalists, students, creatives. Um, and what this has done has allowed for Manchester's South Asia diaspora to be at the heart of what this gallery shows. Um, we knew really early on that the collective wanted this to be a story-led gallery. So traditionally, you'd look at an object and you create the interpretation around the object. Now, this has placed the story at the forefront and the objects or the artefact to represent that was um, secondary. Um, and what this has allowed it ha has been that lived experiences are able to um, transgress all over the displays, which then creates the, the knock-on effect that people connect more to the gallery. Um, and co-curation has been really organic. It's 
it's not been tried and tested. It's been done on epic scale. You don't necessarily see 30 co-curators working over a five-year period to create content for the gallery. So a lot of the co-curation process has been about unlearning the practices that you usually take on, and it's been a lot about learning new ones as well. I was just going to say, I remember I had a, a bit of an early sneak peek at the museum mm -hmm. and I saw this great photo blown up on a easel of, of a Zoom call with, I think, uh, at oh, least yeah. the majority of the co-curators all in this one Zoom call. It looked amazing. And I just thought, what a, what a great collective effort, especially yeah. like in difficult times to, to come together and bring that all together. Yeah, I think I think it's been, yeah, There's there's been lots of parts of the co-curation that we really need to think about now. And I think now we've, we've opened the gallery and we've got to this great stage that we are at. I think it is going back and looking at the process and the approach um, that we took. It's for me, um, and I think for the sector, uh, it's by far the only way to do things. Um, and it, it has to be moving away from the traditional way of, I always talk about it as um, two or three people going into the room and closing the door and deciding what the rest of the world should see about South Asia. And these two or three people are more often than not, not from that the background that they want people to know about. So it really places um, South Asian people at the forefront of making the decisions for what is being told about their heritage and that was hugely important for the collective um and and yeah coming through and seeing the gallery open now and just the response to it 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 was the only way that this gallery could be a really meaningful space um to all that visited what i love about everything that you've said is how manchester it feels like yeah. it, it it really feels Manchester as opposed to what other people are doing it's like we're going to do this we're yeah. going to do this our way yeah it yeah there were there, there's many things that you'll um kind of come across as in in emotions when you go through the gallery um you really have to be in there to feel that um and the Manchester focus is that this gallery can't be anywhere else it has to be in Manchester and that was one of the creek key criterias for the gallery there were there were a set of criteria that each of the stories had to align as as you can imagine with 30 people there were many many stories that people wanted to tell and this space could not tell all of those stories so the key criteria then allowed us to weave the stories out that had threads going through them so it's it's really a it's a really it's a real journey you're on when you go through the displays um, and one of the one of the key criteria was that this gallery is in Manchester so we tell the connection of the Manchester cotton industry back to South Asia and and how that has evolved over time and the impact that it still has on people today um so yeah we're really proud that it's in Manchester and I'm I'm you know you know is it would be on your wish list to have something um, that represents you and your heritage and yeah to be part of shaping that has been it's been a journey in itself do you have um, a favorite piece in the gallery um there That's are a many. tough question I can imagine 
There are many, many pieces um, in the gallery, and um, we what we've done is we've um, amalgamated traditional objects. So, um, as with this being a, a British partnership with the British Museum. And the idea was to bring up some of the objects from the British Museum to sit alongside our own collections. And um, we've also introduced some of our other partners where we had gaps in um, some of the objects or some of the stories um, for their objects. So we have the um, contribution to the war efforts and we have some posters from the Imperial War Museum that filled that gap as uh, an object. But what really beautifully we've done is bring in personal, personal objects from collective members. Um, and as I said, with it being a story-led um, gallery, the story was there. It was the best way to tell that story, whether that was through a 2D experience, a 3D object, or an audio-visual. And that all came through lots and lots of discussions with the collective members of how best to tell that story. And one of the uh, really favourite pieces in the gallery um, is Azra Mortella's self-portrait. So it's a seven foot beautiful piece of work um, with Azra exploring what it means to be British Asian today. Um, and it was created because she felt as a young British Asian woman, she wasn't represented in galleries and museums across the UK. And that really resonates with me. And I remember that was one of the first pieces that came into the gallery. A bit like the Mona Lisa, her eyes follow you wherever you are in the gallery. Um, but what really struck um, for me was that it felt like that the artwork had come home. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, I... I'll get emotional in a bit, but it's um, it it really resonates with me, and I think that's one of my favourite pieces. And I'm I'm a bit worried about when it has to be taken off the gallery and what will fill this seven foot gap that we have there. Um, there's there's a large section of of the display that's dedicated to objects that have come through um, colonisation. So mm -hmm. what's the significance of including these? And did you have to take anything into consideration? Um, when including them? Yeah, so the collective um, has grappled with lots of different subjects and the gallery offers insights and perspectives through the objects and installations um, um, to help to dissect um, that. So uh, many of the collective members were mindful um, of knowing the histories of objects before they were chosen for display. Um, so we've deliberately not selected anything that we know um, to have been taken by force. Um, and the question of where the objects come from is just as relevant as the objects. And we're very open and mindful of the fact that the museum has brought up, been born out of British colonial rule. And we do um, say that openly um, through the stories and, and the key threads that run across the gallery. Uh, we have an amazing curator of indigenous perspectives and a curator of living cultures who are driving our um, this work forwards. But for, our, for the gallery in particular, um, quite early on um, in the co-curation process, the collective did draft the criteria for each of the stories that should align with those key messages. And uh, one of the criteria was um, that we include the impact of colonialism um, for the histories of that time to have, um, and, and the, the specific, specific focus of British Empire and how that continues to affect 
um, geopolitics, uh, as well as the lived experiences of people living in South Asia and um, people living in the UK as being South Asia diaspora. Um, we know that many people of South Asian heritage are here in Manchester because of partition um, of um, British India into India and Pakistan in 47. And we knew that that had to be recognised in the gallery as a really dark moment in the history. Uh, and the, the British Empire story is told in many levels um, throughout the displays. Um, one of the ways we've done that is to bring it into our contextual objects. So we have anthologies, six anthologies, and we also have six contextual displays. And as well as that, we, uh, when you enter the gallery, you're met with a, a beautiful new commission from the Singh Twins, which is an emotional map of South Asia. And what the twins have done um, really well is um, talk about um, colonialism and British uh, rule and the impact that that has had and still has. Um, and it's done through... Um, miniature artwork that has then been blown up um, to create this massive mural in the lobby space. Um, it, explore, it explores the interconnected hidden histories um, and it challenges um, stereotypes and myths and misconceptions and it also looks at cultural identity and ownership and that map, I think, sets the tone for what you'll see in the gallery. The map, um, the emotional map, um, is a permanent feature, and the displays that you'll see in the gallery will change over time. Um, I think it was really. I think the collective members felt it was very, very important that we don't shy away from history and we bear all, however, or however hard that is to dissect and to um to manage we knew that this would open a lot of emotions for many people but we felt that it was important to still share that perspective what are your hopes for the future for the south asia gallery how do you see it evolving yeah so um the i think the massive game changer for the south asia gallery is its permanence so I often talk about um, South Asia being represented as temporary. Um, and I, I talk about this thing of Diwali and Delete. So whilst from what from my um, experience is we are represented in spaces and then deleted again. But the South Asia Gallery is permanent. And I think since opening um, in February, that has been the, the biggest feature for this gallery. Um, it's permanent, but it's by no means static. Um, it's, it's been impossible to capture everything about South Asia in the gallery in the space that we have, and it will continue and develop over time. And the way we'll do that is we'll start working with different communities to showcase new stories and new objects and new perspectives. Um, so the next phase of the co-curation journey will be working with um, those communities that have not been represented in the first iteration. And the real evolving space for the gallery is a project space which sits at the centre of the gallery. 
and it's where it's designed as a, a room for conversation, collaboration and reflection. And it can be a closed or an open space. It has a three-sided projection which can host films. And we do have a film running there at the moment. And it's a place where we can work with local and national partners to bring in new content for the gallery. And we're now in our third iteration for the projection. Um, so for me, that is the continuously breathing and evolving um, space for the gallery. And in terms of the anthologies and the stories that sit within those anthologies, we will start working with our new communities fairly soon. Um, and after probably about 18 months of opening, we can then change some of those stories. One of the best parts of the museum reopening, obviously, was for school groups coming in. Do you have any reactions from local schools um, or community schools to how how the students feel? We, we, yeah, we're gathering that information now. But um, going um, just just whilst we're talking about little people, it's amazing to see um, children coming in. And we had them. Um, so the projection space has um, sound coming from it. And for the first iteration, there was um, some Bollywood music that was weaved into a 10 minute film. And um, one of the um, responses we had was a, a, a younger boy of about eight or nine running um, through the gallery, not yet seeing the projection space, but could hear it. And he said something like, I think that's my Abu's music. And Abu means dad or granddad. And for me, it was like, oh, wow, he's connected just through the sound. And that, you know, the, the reaction that he had was a bit like amazed that his Abu's music was in a traditionally white space. And um, being able to identify with it was it, yeah, it was, it was quite emotional to hear that because that's what we wanted. We wanted that intergeneration connecting and the little bits of your own private life now being in a bigger space that other people and you will be able to come together. Um, for us, um, South Asia Gallery is all about bringing people together. What's next for you? Um, so I'm really proud of the work that we've done on the gallery and I'm, I'm really privileged to be part of, you know, the co-curation and I'm, I'm working with so many people to create um, to create a meaningful space. Um, we've had over half a million visitors to the museum since we were reopened in February and I can imagine many of them would have been coming into um, South Asia Gallery. And I have had, I've had many hours watching, well, people watching, and it, it's been quite emotional. Um, and people have been emotional connecting to the stories and, and thinking about, um, you know, where they actually came from. And it's by no means is a South Asia gallery only for South Asian people. There have been so many different people from different backgrounds who have said the migration story is my migration migration story, even though I'm not from South Asia. And the emotions that you've um, talked about and the difficulties or the fact that it was forced migration or semi-forced or voluntary, you know, those things connect to people regardless of you being from South Asia. So um, for me, that's where we're at now. Um, 
co-curating on this epic scale has led to a lot of um, interest from the sector wide. So quite a lot of my time over the last um, six months has been about sharing the approach um, with the sector. And for me, that's been really humbling because um, creating, for me to be part of creating real change in the sector as to who holds the narrative and who decides which stories are told in museums. Um, for me, that's, that is, yeah, I, I can't express that in words, to be honest, because not being part of something for so long and now actually holding um, a space and the narrative has been massive. So um, a lot of my time is now about passing on the learning um, and there's been uh, quite a lot of learning that um, we're still discovering. Um, there's been some post-co-curation, um, co-curating, I suppose. But uh, yeah, quite a lot of learning that we're still trying to dissect and um, going, to going to decimate across um, so to make sure that there is impact beyond just opening the gallery. Um, and I think for me, um, my role is about disrupting the traditional narratives and representations um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, working with new people and new communities. Thank you so much Nazareth, this was a really great conversation, me. I really appreciate this. Thank you for listening to your Manchester Stories. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Hayley Jane Sims, Kate Bradbury and Sabi Mathai on behalf of the Division of Development and Alumni Relations at the University of Manchester. The music was supplied by Blue Dot Sessions.